Well, when you want something really, really bad, you'll do anything to get it. And when you don't want it that bad anymore, well, you won't try and get it anymore. On the 21st of November last year, Ian Thorpe retired from swimming at the age of 24. He's Australia's most successful Olympian ever. During his career, he displayed a single-mindedness to rival that of any other professional sportsman. He knew what he wanted, and he did everything to get it, and he got it. But his desire waned. His uh, motivation was no longer there. It's not that he wasn't physically up to it. The guy was only 24. But the determination to keep going had left him, and so he retired. When you want something really bad, you'll do anything to get it. But when you don't want it that bad anymore, well, you'll stop trying. Now, as Christians, we're to be single-minded and motivated. We are to want something really bad, and we're to persevere at it. And not just until we're 24, but until we're dead or until Christ returns. And this something that we're to want, it's not for ourselves. It's for other people. And when we understand how precious it is, we'll devote ourselves to helping others get it. This morning we're continuing our way through the book of Colossians and we're up to Paul's prayer that he prayed for them. And what's interesting is why he prayed what he prayed. He wants something so bad for the Colossians that he's always praying for them to get it. Now, as we look at Paul's prayer for the Colossians, right up front, I want to tell you what I'm not trying to do. I am not wanting us to get guilty about our, the, how little we pray. I am not wanting us to focus on resurrecting a flagging prayer habit. Now, the challenge for us this morning is to understand why we pray for our fellow Christians. What we need to do is to catch the vision of the gospel for God's people, to get the big picture of things, because when we see that, well, then we'll pray. So let's have a look at Paul's prayer. We're up to point two on your outline. And the first thing we need to look at is Paul's goal, the reason that he prays why he prays. We need to get the big picture of his prayer. So we're going to look at the forest before we look at the trees. We need to get the big picture, the grand plan, and then we'll look at the details. So what was Paul's goal? What was the vision? What is the vision of, God's, of the gospel for God's people? Well, let's quickly skim over his entire prayer to see. He starts in verse 9. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. So there's a start. He prays for them to be filled with knowledge. But Why? Verse 10, have a look at verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. So Paul asks God to fill them with his knowledge in order that they'll then live godly lives. But why? What's the point of that? Well, it comes in verse 11. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. You catch his train of thought, that the vision of the gospel, God's people filled with knowledge in order to live the godly life so that they'll have great endurance. In the end, what Paul wants, what the gospel is driving us towards is endurance so that we will share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. This is Paul's big picture. 
because Paul understands the goodness of going to heaven and the horror of missing out. Paul knows something of the glory of the new creation, the wonder of living under the blessing and the majesty of God forever. Paul knows in his heart that going to heaven is the greatest thing of all, the most important thing of all. And so Paul doesn't stop praying for his Christian brothers and sisters because he wants them to endure. He wants them to share in the inheritance of God's people. Now, is that us? When we think of our Christian brothers and sisters, when we meet them down the street, do we have their Christian endurance in mind? Is it our desire that they remain in Christ? Is it our hope, our dreams for our brothers and sisters that they'll keep trusting in Christ until they die or until Christ returns? Because that's the vision of the gospel for God's people. The big picture is God's people sharing in eternal life in the new creation, enduring in Christ until the very end. That's what needs to captivate our hearts. That's how we need to think of our fellow Christian brothers and sisters. And when we do, then we'll pray. And we'll pray and we'll pray and we'll pray. Because it's God who gets his people safely home. It's God who does it. And so we ask him to do it. So that's the forest. Now it's time to look at the trees. Now that we know that ultimately what we want, what the gospel is driving at for our Christian brothers and sisters is that they endure in Christ until heaven. Now that we've got the big picture, well, what are the sorts of things that would be good to pray for them? What do we need to stay as Christian? Well, let's have a look at Paul's prayer in a little more detail. So back up to verse 9. And in verse 9 we discover that we're to pray that God will fill his people with the knowledge of what he wants. We're to pray for Christians to know what God wants. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, why would we want God's people, fellow Christians, to know what God wants? Well, so that they'll live it out. See, we're not praying for an awareness of what God wants. Not a merely intellectual acknowledgement of what God thinks is important. No, we're asking for our brothers and sisters in Christ that in all wisdom, they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that they'll please the Lord in every way. But not in their own strength. Not that they can pull their socks up and do what God wants, but in God's strength, that they'll be able to live a life worthy of the Lord. Have a look at verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That's a beautiful picture of the Christian life, isn't it? Being strengthened by God to live a life worthy of him, to be able to please him in every way, being empowered by God to do good works. So, so far, we're asking God to fill us with a knowledge of what he wants and then for God to give us the strength to be able to live it out, to be able to please him in every way. And why do we need God's strength to carry out his will? Because we need to endure. God's already done everything for us for us to take our place in his kingdom. He's qualified us to share in the inheritance of God's people. In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has stored up for us hope in heaven 
there's light at the end of the tunnel. We have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no hope apart from him. In Christ alone, we have the forgiveness of sins. And so we need God's strength to endure in him for the rest of our lives. Now look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, for he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. They're wonderful words, aren't they? That through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our place, we have the forgiveness of sins, hope stored up for us in heaven. Through the death of Christ, we've been qualified already. God's done it for us to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. We have every reason to endure, don't we? In the last week, I've been reminded of the need to persevere. Uh, Catherine, my wife, and I have been doing some potty training. Not for me, one of our children. And that's just something you need to persist at because there's any number of things that make you wonder whether it's all worth it. Uh, The constant wiping up of messes all over the floor. Having your child sit on the potty for half an hour for no result. And then the very minute that they hop off, there's Niagara Falls pouring down on your floor. It's very frustrating. And then when they finally get the hang of it, there's the tedium of constantly being thrilled and excited about a wee on the potty. Now, the process of body training, it can be frustrating, it can be tedious, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's no more nappies to be changed once they've got the hang of it. No more wiping off those big stinkers, as Beth calls them. And so we persevere. We hang in there because the goal at the end, well, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Now, this is even more so, isn't it, when it comes to serving Christ? God's goal at the end for his people, it's the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light god has qualified us for his kingdom through the death of his son god's given us the hope of eternal life through jesus christ our lord and so we need to persevere we need to endure in our trust in christ and knowing this led the apostle paul to pray Because he wanted Christians to endure until the end so that they'd share in the inheritance of God's people. And to do that, well, God's people would need God's strength to live out God's ways. And to do that, well, they'd need to know what God's ways are. And so that's what Paul prayed, that God's people would know what God wants, that God would give them the strength to live it out so that they would endure in Christ until the inheritance of God's people, so that they would know in full the hope that is stored up for them in heaven. Paul wanted Christians to endure so badly so he didn't stop praying for them. And look again, I want to stress, I'm not wanting us to evaluate our prayer life. The first thing we need to do out of these verses is to evaluate how important Christian endurance is to us. How highly do we value the inheritance of God in heaven? How much do we want our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to keep trusting in the Lord Jesus until their dying breath or until the return of the Lord Jesus? Because if we prize that, then we'll pray. When we understand the hope of heaven and that it's only God that can get us there, when this is what we want for people, 
then we will pray for them and we'll pray for them and we'll pray for them. We'll devote ourselves to praying for them. Doctor, point three on your outline and let's flip across to chapter four. Chapter four and verse 12. Here we meet a man by the name of Epaphras. Uh, he crops up in uh, chapter one. And we're told there that he's the one that actually told the Colossians the gospel. Epaphras is the man that watched the Colossians become Christians. And in chapter 4, we discover that Epaphras devoted himself to praying for the Colossians. And surprise, surprise, he prays for their endurance. And how he goes about it is very helpful for us as we think about praying because praying for people is not easy. It's something you wrestle with. It's something you work hard at. Chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. That's an interesting way to describe Epaphras at prayer, isn't it? Always wrestling in prayer. The idea behind the word wrestling is is the idea of striving and struggling and toil and intense labour. Epaphras was always struggling in prayer for the Colossians because prayer is hard work. It's a question of being willing to fight. It's being willing to strive and struggle in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a long haul. It's a lifelong wrestle. We are hearing the battle cry. We are being called to arms, called to the trenches to pray. And what would we pray for our dear brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, the sorts of things that Paul prayed for the Colossians, and that, which is the same sort of things that Epaphras prayed for the Colossians, that our brothers and sisters will stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. In other words, that by God's strength, they'll continue in their trust and in their service of Jesus Christ mature and fully assured of the salvation that's already been won for them at the cross so that on the day Christ returns God will have enabled them to stand firm to share in the inheritance of God's people so what does praying like this look like what are the sorts of prayers that we'd pray well in one sense uh, there's as many different prayers as there are situations aren't there but in another sense all our prayers will look similar when praying for our brothers and sisters in christ it'll all be on the same trajectory because whoever the christian in whatever the situation we're praying that they'll remain christian that they'll endure in their trust in christ until the very end so here's a few examples just examples as food for thought when you and i hear of a christian brother or sister diagnosed with a terminal illness well, our first prayer in this tragedy is that the tragedy wouldn't shake their trust in Christ. Now, of course, we ask God to heal them. Of course we do. But even more important than that is that they continue in Christ and so share in heaven. And so we ask that they would have the wisdom to know how best to serve Christ in these situations. Perhaps we might ask that they would be able to show the people around them the confidence that Christians have because of Christ, even in the face of death. And then, of course, we'd want to pray for those people caring for them, wouldn't we? And such care that, that can be hard, frustrating, tiring. And so we might pray that God would give them patience and love 
to continually care for the people. And that as they provide care, they'd know how best to serve the Lord Jesus. That their motivation for living would always be to gratefully serve Jesus their King, even despite the difficult times they're in. Another example is praying for a Christian brother or sister who's loving life, having a wonderful time at work, enjoying what they do, earning quite a bit of money out of it. They're not experiencing any great dramas in life. All in all, life is beautiful. Now, we need to pray for these brothers and sisters in Christ, that they will endure in Christ until heaven. And so we need to ask that God would prevent them from becoming content in this world. That in the good times, they'd be generous with the things that they've been given. That in their health and wealth, they wouldn't forget that Jesus is their Lord. That they'll remember their absolute dependence upon God for all things. And so pray for all things. We need to pray for them that they won't get caught up in the lie. That in their own strength, they can negotiate life. It's not true. We need to pray that their apparent self-sufficiency won't delude them into forgetting God, but instead they would be humble and not become proud. That they'll do things, everything, in the name of the Lord Jesus and giving thanks to the Father through him. And that they'll live like this for the rest of their days, enduring in the faith of Christ until the day of Christ, sharing in the inheritance of God's people in his kingdom. Now look, the list could go on and on, couldn't it? We could come up with any number of examples. Every person and situation is different and so every prayer has a unique flavour to it but our constant prayers for God's people, whatever's happening, will ultimately be that they will endure as God's people trusting in Christ. Because, well, what's waiting but the inheritance of God's people in heaven? the goodness of sharing an eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord, and when that is what you desire for people, well, then you will pray for them. Because only God can do this for us. It's God who can keep us for that last great day. It's God who has qualified us to share in the kingdom of his people through the death and resurrection of his son. It's God who can give us the knowledge of what he wants. It's God who can give us the strength to be able to live that out. It's God who can keep us standing firm, mature and fully assured. It's God who can keep us for the inheritance of heaven. And so we pray and we pray and we pray. With all our striving, with all our struggling, we wrestle in prayer for one another. Let's do that now. Let's pray.